Good morning. It is the Crossing Broadcast. I'm Russell Joy at Joy on Broad, joined by Crossing Broad's founder, CEO, and everything else you need, Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad, who uh, I'm guessing is coming off an emotional high. Villanova continues to advance. Kyle, what are your... uh, what are your thoughts right now? No, I am. Uh, I am flat. I am steady. I am even keeled. Uh, not over, wasn't overly up or down about any Villanova moments over the weekend. Uh, I think they obviously got the number one game, which is now uh, no longer a given, which is kind of a cool thing to say. Did you see the Virginia game? Um. Oh yeah, the UMBC. Sure. Well, yeah. I not not live. I watched. A recap of it the next day. It was incredible. Okay. I have I have a thought on that, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I was asleep. Uh, I I fell asleep. I, I almost turned it off. It was one of those ones where your creeping sports premonition kicks in, and I was this close to putting a movie on because it was like that was one of only two games remaining that night. And I'm like, oh, you got the number one seed, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I'm probably gonna fall asleep anyway. Why bother? I'll just leave the games on. And then I woke up early in the second half and was stunned. Um, so that game is no longer a given, but Villanova more than took care of business against Radford, uh, who I didn't even bother to look up who had won the Ra- uh, Radford-Brooklyn game until about 10 minutes before the tip on Thursday, because uh, it didn't really matter. Nova was going to blow them out, as they did. Um, yeah, I was always in favor of the Alabama-Virginia um, Tech possible matchup. I thought that gave the Villanova a much better chance than having to deal with perennial contender, defensive, Big Ten, slugger not. I'll call them a slugger not. It's a made-up word, uh, like they did last year. So I was all for either Alabama or Virginia Tech, both teams who were going to try and run and score with the Cats. Uh, defense did worry me a little bit early. They were defending Villanova out to the hash mark, uh, but it looks like they were just playing on a little bit of adrenaline by the time the second half kicked in and the shots started falling. Alabama was no match. So um, I wouldn't say I'm over the moon. I would say they are where we expected. Uh, and wouldn't, It's one of those games you've just been highly disappointed if they lost in the second round yet again. So just a little bit of relief. I'm feeling real good about where they're standing with Virginia out. They are easily the odds-on favor to win the tournament. And Duke, however, looks really good. And I'm, I'm expecting a Final Four matchup with Duke uh, next week. Uh, going back really quick to the UMBC UVA thing, um, I, I was actually very happy about it. Um, not only because it was a 16 up seating, uh, upsetting a one, but I, I did a, a trip a few years ago um, to a bunch of colleges with a student group. And when we were at university, uh, when we were at UVA, I thought the campus was really cool. But every everybody was so pretentious. I mean, you walk onto a college campus and like usually like you could you could run into the wrong group of people. I had a guy try to fight me. Uh, while I was in the midst of like leading this group of, of kids through the campus, um, that was weird. And um, when we went to UMBC, it's a weird campus. Like it, it has the reputation as a commuter campus. And if you ever go there, um, or you if went you have, to UMBC, yeah, I went to go check it. Yeah, yeah, it was part of a uh, like a a tour, like a college tour of you know, like say five or six colleges and like. The, I didn't know people actually went there. I just thought yeah, it was yeah, yeah. like. Well, like, I think exist it was in the in the nebulous, but it I'm wasn't trying, a real thing. I'm trying to remember. It might have been because it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other school it was close to. It was pretty much like, hey, you know, this is another place that's on our way. Stop by Radford as well. Yeah, no. Um, but UMBC's kids really nice. Now, granted, not a lot of people were there because again, commuter campus. Um, 
But it, it was funny because so often when you go to see a state school or, or to just go see a college in general, you know, like everything looks like it's been established for a while. And UMBC looked like it had just started. Like all the trees on campus were still in that like early fledgling stage where they're just they've just been planted. They they're barely setting their roots. Um, and I thought it was it was very fitting. And I, I was very happy to see this upstart UMBC team uh, really smoke this pretentious UVA team. And I thought if nothing else, if, if like people thought that it was just me being sensitive or something, um, one of the two players that UVA sent up to the mic in the post game conference, you know, like the stupid reporter question, um, were you aware that a number 16 seed had never upset a number one seed? And it's like, they did that. Someone with actually UM- asked that. Like, yeah, they did that with UMBC and they're like, yeah, you know, we were aware of that. And it was really, you know, it meant a lot to us. We wanted to shock the world. And then this kid on UVA is like, uh yeah, I think everybody knew that. So uh yeah, thanks thanks for bringing that up again. It's like, dude. Yeah, I, I know you're mad and I know it sucks. But um, you know, you you've got to work on the uh the mic skills there, fella. That was a Virginia kid or UMBC was a, kid? That was a that was a Virginia kid. The UMBC ah, kid's okay. very respectful. Um and Yeah, you're saying credit, they were was... singing uh uh the ball is tipped and that's the only word they knew from uh from the tournament song. Yeah. From one shining moment. So they yeah, just yeah. kept singing the ball is tipped in the in the locker room. Yeah. Um, uh, an update. We have our uh, tournament challenge that's going on ESPN.com right now. We had, um, I think it was close to 50 people sign up, or maybe it was 46 people sign up. Uh, my bracket it was right now. Very hastily put together last minute, by the way. <laughs> my uh, my bracket is currently in dead last. Uh, I'm in a very many a very many way tie for 46th. Uh, some some interesting names in here. We got winner winner chicken dinner. How many uh, points do you have? Uh, in this one, I've got 360 and the one Ouch. that I, and the one that I actually did for money elsewhere, I'm in second place with, okay. I think 40, four, So four, wait 50, a minute. Are you the type of person to enter multiple pools? Um, well this one cost me nothing. So yeah, I understand, like, but are you, so you, you will field multiple pools. I assume this year I only you did also, one. I, do, you don't play DraftKings, do you? No. Because you remind me of that person who will who will create ten different lineups, and I see I'm a big like do one pool, do one Sunday lineup, maybe mix it up if you're doing like a, a random tournament or you know something a little bit different for strategy. But I like picking like one thing and riding with it because there's nothing worse than having two pools with two different winners in a second round game and you're completely torn. You're hedging against yourself. It's no fun. It, it it goes against the spirit of competition. So I'm, See, I'm I disagree. A little disappointed in you. No, it's not. I, this isn't I, like I disagree. This I isn't disagree like casting your net into a into a pool of piranhas and just hoping you catch one. Like Why it, would you you're supposed piranhas? to be living and dying with each game, and you can't do that if you have opposing matchups. I think it all depends on the kind of bracket. Like usually, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it does. Uh, I think <laughs> usually, uh, I I often go with a bracket that I I really believe in, and then I go with one that's just upset heavy. And then this year, I took the exact opposite strategy where I was like, you know what? I'm so sick of seeing my upsets not work out. And, you know, they only usually go for one round anyway. So why am I going to pick all these upsets? So the one that I'm actually doing pretty well in, um, everybody else seemed to take a bunch of wild risks that didn't work out. Or they took, like, UVA as the champion. Um, And and my level-headed bracket has also been busted for the most part. But... Because I have uh, Kansas winning, I'm still, you know, in in a good spot projected point wise. You have love... that Kansas. You have that Kansas squad winning. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I don't. I I always am very doubtful of Villanova, um, even though they won a few years ago. Like, I I just I, I don't know. It's always been the way that I've kind of. I think it was my former conditioning as a Philadelphia sports fan where I thought we couldn't have nice things. And I wanted to believe in them, but the Big East tournament, uh, there were like a couple things that, that were red flags for me. Uh, is that the tournament to that they won? Yeah. Is that the to- what is that the- I okay. mean you could is, you is could that win, the one where they, could, they won their first win. two games by an average? Is that of the one where they had points? to play is that the one where they had to play like an eventual ten seed in the tournament in Providence for the title? Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, and, and they, they didn't have to beat overtime. Xavier. I mean, Xavier got knocked out of the main. So point, but like, yeah, so couple. Okay, I'm glad. You, I'm not going to try to sound. Rem- I'm not going to try to sound remotely educated in how Villanova plays or anything. I'm just saying that I I watched the way that I thought Providence played them tough in the Big East final, and I thought if Providence can do this, and maybe Providence is a great elite defensive team. I don't watch enough college basketball to know how they compare across the board, but I thought there were a couple things that made me stay away from Nova as my champion, which is you know. All right, so let me give you my high that. level. Um, my high level why I'm so confident here. Um, mm. Conference tournaments are tough. It's really tough to take. Now, if they would have bowed out uh, or looked dreadful in two games and lost before the championship, okay, sure. Um, con- conference tournaments are tough because these are teams you play. You're usually on your third time playing the team by the time you reach a conference tournament. So even the best team in the country going up against a team they've seen three times that they battle with at least two to three times per year, coaches who know each other, players who know each other. Um, The field is always, always more leveled. So I I took nothing away from the Big East tournament other than those first two games. Nova looked like they had found their defensive footing that they lost earlier in the year, and I think a lot of that had to do with the return of Phil Booth from, like, a broken... Um, a broken hand in like five weeks. I don't even know. I don't even know. Want to know what they shot into his arm? I don't care. Uh, it's amazing that he is he is fully healed. Um, I think that helped them a lot. So they found their defensive footing. They ran up again three games, three nights. You're always going to have a close game by that point. Providence was sort of playing out of their mind. They had just beat Xavier in overtime. Their defense was strong, and lo and behold, Nova had a tough test and came out on top. So I took nothing away from that, other than they've won three of the last four Big East championships. Um, they are playing. It is by amazing. The way, hold on, to hold me. on. Time out. Yeah. Time out. Pause a second. So um, it was what ESPN stats. Uh, Villanova's won 32 straight or won at least 32 games in four straight years, which is the first time Incredible. in NCAA history it's happened, which I, I think like, look, a lot of times people get kind of burrowed into whatever the local team is and kind of loses general perspective. Um, the, the thought that North Carolina or a Duke, a Kentucky, a Kansas have never done that before is mind blowing to me. And are Resume. we sure they haven't? Yeah, that that was what it said. ESPN wow. said it was first team. I'll I'll pull it again. Thirty, yeah, and the reason is thirty wins is is a high 30, 32, is a yeah. you know that's a once in a that's a high watermark for any college team. And um, Jay Wright was on <clears throat> a previous version of this podcast a couple of years ago uh, before they won their first championship. He may not be returning because I think he's probably a little too big time now. It's like a year or two before. Sorry. Uh, one of the things I said to him at the time was the new Big East seems to have shooken out really well for you guys because there used to be this concern back in the days of the old Big East, UConn, Syracuse, Pitt, Villanova, all those teams, that when it broke up and the football schools were segmented out and sent to the ACC and all this, which is exactly what happened, the Villanova could have been in a really bad spot as this small school, small Catholic school without a major football program. 
And there was a lot of talk of forming this sort of Catholic league that would have included St. Joe's, by the way, uh, and Georgetown. And, you know, that league largely happened, but it became the Big East and they were able, it, it kept the name the Big East, I should say, uh, which was huge. It kept the tournament at Madison Square Garden, which is huge. It's a huge marquee event for the school, for players, for recruiting. We saw, what, the Big Ten this year held their conference tournament a week early just so they can also get Madison Square Garden. That is a big deal. Um, so by keeping the name, keeping the tournament there, it kept the conference afloat. You adding teams like Butler and Xavier, who are very much in the same boat as Villanova as big time basketball schools, but not so much football. It made that conference, you know, that conference has fully embraced basketball and it's actually worked out pretty well. So for Villanova, what happened to them is they became the marquee team in a very good major conference. It's it's not quite the ACC. Or the Big Ten, but it's it's you know a one A to those. And Villanova is the premium team. They are essentially the team for Fox Sports. They get uh, about two games on Fox proper each year, not including the Big East Championship. They are on national TV literally every game during the season. They are what Duke was to ESPN in the '90s. Um, that is kind of what Villanova is to Fox now. Fox doesn't have the reach and influence that ESPN had, so I'm not saying Villanova is on the level of Duke those years. Long story short is for Villanova, it worked out really well, and they wind up in a conference where you can win 30 games a year. That's not to disparage the conference, but in the old Big East, in the ACC, the reason you don't see this in the Big 12, winning 30 games a year is very tough in those conferences because if you're even a little bit off, 30 is like a premium mark. But I think it, wor- it it obviously worked out really well for Nova. They've gotten themselves, it allows them to be a one or a two seed every year, a la Gonzaga. And sometimes is that a little bit of fool's gold, and we see them lose in the second round because maybe their conference is a little weak and they're still able to, to rattle off 30 wins. Yeah, uh, I, I obviously that's not fully the case, having won the national championship. And I think this year... Um, they have such a well-rounded group. Every, I mean, every guy on that team is versatile. You have two. You have an NBA player, Mikel Bridges, who um, the sideline reporter called Mickle, which was offensive. You mean um, a future future Sixer? He might Mikkel be. Bridges? Well, He'll you know what was funny? And then He'll Brunson is probably going to be a second-round pick, and it's a shame because he's he's so good, but it, his, he's just. You know, he's better than Scotty Reynolds was, but he kind of reminds me of that, just being like a little too undersized uh, and and not quite, you know, quick twitchy enough. Bridges, though, I thought in the – and Dante DiVincenzo, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, Bridges, though, in that first half, I had actually texted a buddy and said uh, he just cost himself money because uh, I think twice he got blocked in the paint or struggled to get his own shot off. He got out-bodied by a bigger guy in the paint going for a rebound. And I'm like, man – if you're talking about your NBA prospects and there's scouts watching this, he needs about 20 more pounds of muscle. And I was like, I actually went as far to say that dude should stick around for another year, put on 15 pounds of muscle, and become a top five pick. So what's he doing in the second half? He just starts raining threes upon threes and proves his worth in an NBA that is increasingly all about spacing. So he's gone, uh, and he should be a top 12-ish pick. I would love to see him with the Sixers, but he does need to add a lot of muscle. He has um, all the makings of a guy who's going to kind of skyrocket up the boards, depending on how his combine or whatever goes, um, kind of like how Donovan Mitchell was at this point last year. And he yeah. just He's he's kind of got this late surge. Now, his his surge is happening during the tournament. Donovan Mitchell's really was kind of post, um, post-tournament and, like, during the combine. But uh, there, there's really no 
way that you, I think unless Villanova goes out in a really ugly way and he contributes little to nothing to the effort in that loss, I think it's it's hard to foresee a circumstance where he doesn't end up top 15. He's, he yeah, could, could, he could I, very easily crack the, the top 10. I agree because um, he's got the length. I mean, muscle is something you can always add. I mean, he's only been two years ago. He was somehow lankier than he is now. He wasn't, you know, uh, particularly coming from Great Valley. He wasn't particularly like a, you know, high recruit or anything like that. Clearly stood out in their championship run two years ago with his wingspan and defense. Um, he, but he can't get his own shot. That's what I was. That's what I thought was happening in the first half the other day. He he could not create his own shot in the face of of athletic larger defenders, and that's a huge red flag for the NBA. But you see what he could do shooting. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's a top ten pick. I love him, but I think he really does have, and he could definitely put the ball on the floor and blow by guys, and and you know, has the athleticism. I think he needs that sort of uh, minute. Uh, skill to be able to break somebody down, go back to basket, do a spin move. I think he's going to struggle at least until he puts on more weight. But yeah, he's good. I also tweeted that Dante DiVincenzo is an NBA player, and I got a lot of scoffs, which yeah, might be. Exp- I, go ahead. I don't. I don't see it. He see, looks like he looks like uh, Archie Diacato to me. Like see, he looks, okay, he looks. You're, you're saying he that because looks... he's white. You said that because no, he's white. I'm not. You did. I'm, no, I'm saying, and that's what everybody's response is. No. Okay, sure. Tell me, Colin tell me, Gillespie. Tell me why I feel like I feel. Go ahead. So that's, Colin that's Gillespie, great. who is the mm-hmm. freshman from down the street from me here in Warrington, uh, from uh, uh, not holy God, I can never remember the name of the high school. Damn it, uh, Archbishop Wood. Um, he is Archie Diacono. He is just like the quintessential. He's going to be the quintessential college player, just like Archie was. By the way, Archie played for the Bulls a little bit this year. Uh, he might still be, for all I know. So it's not like he didn't make the NBA. Um, but regardless, that's Gillespie. He's going to be the prototypical coll- you know, white college point guard, for lack of a better term. DiVincenzo is a different animal. He is, you know, I- I'm I'm not even joking. Like, I'm half joking about the white thing. But I think people look and say, well, you got Mike Nardi and Arshidiakono and DiVincenzo. Like, you got all these Italian Villanova white point guards who aren't really – you know, true NBA prospects. And then you add a Gillespie and you mix in an Irish fellow. So but, I'm going to tell, I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to tell, I'm, let me I'm just looking, give you, I'm, go ahead. My DiVincenzo thing. He's way more athletic. He is not either of those guys. He's not a true point guard. He's a combo guard. He is substantially athletic. By the way, he's only a sophomore. He was here during Villanova's championship run. He played in like one or two games that year and got hurt. He got a redshirt exemption. So he's technically his third year on the team, but he's only a sophomore. So he's got two full more years to play. He is as athletic as anybody on that team. Now, height could be a problem in the NBA, but as we saw the other day, his shot is improving seemingly by game, uh, and as is his range. He can play above the rim. He can throw down a dunk. In fact, I joked last year that he was, as a freshman, he was good for about one ill-advised dunk attempt per game. And lo and behold, in the tournament, he tried a one-handed dunk and it rimmed out. But he can play above the rim. He's crazy athletic. Seriously, like, I don't know what to say other than that. Like, I actually think his 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 NBA prospects are as good as anybody on the team, including Bridges. Because in two years, if he, you know, he, he improves his defense, he gets a little bit bigger, he's plenty muscular already, 
uh, and his ability to break down a defender off the dribble, he could be a, a decent NBA, like, six-man type scorer. I, I truly believe that. And I think a lot of people scoff at it because he's he's a, a white dude. I honestly do. Uh, he's more athletic than than certainly Brunson, um, you know, certainly Archie Diakono, um, and uh, All right. anybody else other than Bridges on that team. All right, so here's, I think, a, a reason that people like to compare them. So... In year like guys three, with Italian names? Okay, right, so in, in year three of their college career, uh, Diacono averaged 10 points per game. DiVincenzo averages, I guess, around 13. Rebounds, uh, to your athleticism point, DiVincenzo averages about three more rebounds per game. Their uh, player efficiency rating is uh, within five points. Their assists in year three is exactly identical at 3.68. This is year two for DiVincenzo. Year two. Okay. So whatever I'm looking at here, <laughs> this is uh, real GM. They've got it listed as uh, one, two, and three. I don't know. He was, he was sure? a, again, he Okay, earned, so he was, was he a red shirt? He no. played. He played his freshman year. He played, I want to say, one or two games and got hurt. And he was okay, so able that's what it is. So to he, take the red shirt. So okay. that worked very much. He was on the bench when they won the championship. It very much worked in his favor. So he's it's also in, he's also in, in a different spot than Archie Diakono. Right? He doesn't have the ball in his hands nearly as much. I mean, Archie Diakono was the cog of that team, especially especially his junior year, which would have been the year before Brunson arrived. Brunson was the sixth, you know, was coming off the bench the year they won the championship as a freshman, but he took a little bit of pressure off Archidiakono. Archidiakono was, you know, the centerpiece of a team his junior year. Archidiakono, again, is, or excuse me, DiVincenzo is the third option on a, you know, national championship contender here. Um, so I, you can't, it's hard to even compare their numbers. You're, you're comparing their, their NBA ceiling, and he's just not, I mean, Archidiakono, like anyone who looked at him is, yeah, he's he's your kind of classic, really good college point guard who probably doesn't have the athleticism or you know um, isolation scoring abilities that you need in the NBA. I, that's not the case with with DiVincenzo. He's substantially more athletic. All right, I I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Know. I don't, it doesn't I, I don't see. I don't see it. I, like I don't see DiVincenzo as as a legit contributor at the NBA level uh, unless if his shooting becomes you know borderline elite then maybe he like kind of fits into like a slightly more athletic jj reddick role i don't know it, i don't yeah. i don't see a guy like him um i mean he's six five so it's not like he's an undersized guard um he is he like nick stauskas i mean i nick stauskas in, in college looked pretty dynamic for michigan state like i i don't i don't necessarily know if Steven has got a, a future in the league but i think he's more athletic than stauskas i don't think stauskas right. has the leaving ability all right, well, that's fine. Like maybe, maybe he'll, well, he's got two years. That's my crack thing. In. I don't know. Like I look at him now; it's two, we're two years away. I mean, he he could he could be a four year college player who then turns into a a late first round pick. I would say. Okay. Um. Um. Divincenzo. Uh. This. This is this. I did not expect the podcast to go this way. Um. Really quickly. So uh, we are thankfully treated to uh, in our Slack channel, um, crossing broad, uh, bowl. We've got Villanova which you represent, and West Virginia, which is represented by Kevin Kincaid, facing off in this uh, Sweet 16 round. Yes. Um, I think a, a wager has to go down. I don't know if you want to make a challenge, if you want to cut a WWE promo here um, at Kevin, but I, I definitely think that there needs to be some kind of a of a friendly wager between, uh, between people. Well, I'm thinking we should probably arrange some sort of... Um 
some sort of live live stream potential in person watching situation if if at all possible. Uh, this might I don't this might be too short a notice to pull everybody together, but uh, it's never yeah. too short notice. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that this bracket, all the other brackets are sort of in in dis, disrepute disrepair uh, chaos. The the Nova bracket, the East bracket, which was um, you know, kind of the consensus easiest road and, and still may be has actually shooken out according to seed. You have West Virginia, you know, West Virginia five instead of a four in, in Wichita state, but you have the one and the five and the three and the two it's, you know, going according to plan. Um, but you know, you got an 11 seed Syracuse in the Midwest. You got, uh, you got two nine seeds in Kansas state and Florida state, which by the way, had Florida state. Um, that was, oh, that was the other thing. And that's how we got on this. You had mentioned Kansas, and I thought Xavier, Xavier and Kansas were two of the worst number one seeds I've seen. I mean, Kansas with seven losses coming into the tournament. This is not a typical Kansas team, and Xavier, you know, is I don't want to dis, again. I don't want to disparage the Big East here, but having watched Nova play them twice and completely thrash them again for the third year in a row at home and then beat them on the road, and I think they've taken three out of the last four against them. Seeing them go up against Nova, like the the gap between those two teams is significantly large, and, you know, it's hard to not give them the one seed, seeing as though they actually finished a regular season slightly better than Nova, one game ahead, and they had confetti on their court, which was hilarious because they didn't make the championship game of the conference tournament, and they got bounced before the Sweet 16. But... I thought they had no place being a one seed and not surprised at all to see them not advance. They were they're a two seed all the way, but I think this was such a down year in college basketball that it would have been tough. Like you probably would have had to put Cincinnati in that spot and clearly as we saw they're not that good, you know, they may not have been deserving either. That fourth number one spot was yuck. Yuck. Okay. Sorry. That's that's, that's okay. Look, I'm I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad that things are are going well for Villanova. It looks like they've got a pretty pretty easy uh, trip here going forward to the what could end up being the national championship. Their only competition. I don't know how you feel about Purdue, and we don't really. Maybe we'll break this down a little bit later this week. But um, you know, I I fully anticipate them playing Kansas. You know, winner goes into the national championship. I think I think it could be interesting. I I do think Kansas will beat Duke. Or at least I'm hoping so because I picked them in my bracket. But I know that Duke team looked so good. So yeah, good. I I just can't get myself to root for Grayson Allen. He looks like Ted Cruz as a child, and it, it just it just. I want to imagine that when Grayson Allen comes out, uh, where are they playing next? Um, do we have a venue? Omaha. On here? Okay, so I just want him to come out and say like, "God bless the great state of Nebraska." You know, like that's all I want. And if if somebody gets him a mic and he does it, then I'm good. Like we're we're totally cool. I'll root for Duke in that game. Um, really quick, because uh, we got to get By the way, Syracuse, going. long, yeah. athletic. Every yeah. my, my dad is all about when they're highly ranked, they flame out. And whenever you don't expect them to do anything, they make some noise in the tournament. That game yesterday with Michigan State, that was an affront to college basketball. Two mm. big, oversized, uh, I would say down years for their programs type of teams. Um, neither of them, they neither team seemed to possess the ability to put the ball in the basket. Uh, one of them had to advance. It happened to be Syracuse. Uh, I don't think they're any good. I think Jim Beheim sucks and plays an archaic style of basketball. That said, long uh, you know the tr- the hallmark of Syracuse teams: long, athletic, 
you know, that frustrating defensively. There's a t- chance Duke just blows them out of the gym. But, I mean, they certainly are going to have the athletes and talent and, you know, coaching chops to compete with Duke. I wouldn't be shocked to see them advance there. And I would love that, by the way, because I think Purdue scares me a little bit. Uh, but I think Nova's toughest toughest test for, before the national championship would be Duke. Um, so, yeah. We, knew, we do need to get Kevin on to talk about West Virginia because I know nothing about them this year. Ever since John Beeline left, I'm completely clueless about that program. Yeah, and uh, again, I don't like watching college sports until this time of the year, so I got nothing. Um, really quick, before we go, we're recording in the morning, so uh, short show. Um, recap of the weekend, Sixers beat the uh, the Nets by four points on Friday night. That was a game Julia Okafor actually got into, believe it or not. Um and Big Jaw went for 10 points, baby. 10 points, three rebounds. He'll probably be out of the league next year alongside Michael Carter-Williams. Um, up. Sixers, Sixers positively uh, going forward, looking towards a playoff run. They had the kind of game that you needed their stars to have. Embiid on his 24th birthday scored fittingly 24 points, grabbed a career-high 19 rebounds. Ben Simmons went for 21 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds. And J.J. Redick, 23 points. Um they got solid contributions from Justin Anderson, which I kind of want to either do a post on or talk about maybe on Wednesday's show. But Justin Anderson was subbed in for Dario Saric at the end of the game in multiple defensive settings, which I think is going to be a player personnel choice uh, that's going to you know be really interesting to see how Brett runs these lineups out in the playoffs. Um, we've been seeing a lot of Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova late in games, but uh, Anderson's really long, he's really athletic, and you know presents a, a different dynamic defensively. And uh, Flyers kind of turned it around. Anthony and I talked about this on Friday. Um, Flyers needed to start turning things around. They won two games over the weekend, including Sunday night or Sunday uh, during the day. They won 6-3 over Washington. And uh, Oscar Lindblom had his first NHL goal. And I was happy because finally we got to see that uh, it looks like they used an official call-up on uh, Travis Sanheim, who was on the second defensive pairing last night. So between Lindblom, Konechny, and Sanheim, we've got a team that's, you know, to go with, like, Gus Despair and Provorov and Haig. And you've got a lot of young guys who are playing significant minutes now and are playing as the team is kind of pursuing a, um, you know, what's going to be a, hopefully a playoff berth and hopefully isn't going to be a bad first-round matchup. If they can get hot at the right time, it looks like their schedule is going to kind of get a little bit easier. We've talked ad nauseum at this point about the Sixers having a light schedule going forward. Um, so it, it looks like things are starting to kind of turn around in a good way, um, and we got to hope that, you know, Flyers finish strong, obviously the Sixers finish strong. And, hey, even the Philadelphia Union went out, and after a uh, opening weekend victory, they took a week off for some reason. They had a nil-nil draw at home against Columbus. And that's um, why we have a soccer podcast. Yep, yep there you go. Um, did you see Joel Embiid's Instagram live? No, do it quick. So, uh, he was, this is, I guess, late Saturday night. He, he threw down either, I guess, 20, 20 G's on a guy in, you know, some guy in his crew or he was with eating eight large meatballs. Um, and I don't, I, hopefully it's still up there because it was 22 hours old last night. I should have recorded it, but he's going, I got, I got 40 G riding on this. I think he bet $20,000. No, well, it's too early for my Joel. Your Joel has to be kind of like French accent. I thought it was, but I got 40 G's riding on No, that's no, not. No, it's like Charles Barkley. Uh, you got to um, trust the process. Uh, I got 40 G's that my man can finish. 18 meatballs. Go ahead. 
That's pretty good. But he was shouting. So anyway, he he yeah. Joel Embiid has, has entered the frivolously betting twenty thousand dollars on a guy eating meatball stage. Uh, the guy did not eat the meatballs, so Joel lost his money. But in the video, and this wasn't like a party scene. Like it looked like they were in a hotel room somewhere. You know, something similar to that. Like I didn't see any alcohol or anything like that around. But you know, it was kind of a raucous environment. There were girls there. Um, well played. It appeared that Michael Rubin, Sixers co-owner, was in there as well and may have been the one betting against Embiid. Again, that is, it is really hard to tell from an Instagram Live exactly what is going on, but I, I tried to freeze frame it at one point. I believe Sixers co-owner Michael Rubin was actually in there with Embiid, uh, certainly involved in this if it was him, and potentially being the one betting with Embiid, which is delightful because he's the co like, um. I was like zabrutering this film, and I really hope somebody recorded it and it's somewhere on the internet because I'm pretty sure Embiid is throwing down meatball bets with the Sixers co-owner, which is whatever. Ruben Ruben loves him loves the uh, hangout with the players sitting next to Allen Iverson. Uh, I, he's he has somehow become like a soothsayer to the athletes. Um, guy started GSI Commerce. That's a beautiful moment. I th- it is. I think that's. That's a good time to wrap. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with a, a likely longer show. I think we're going to record Tuesday night. Um, and by that point, Nova will have played, right? What day, uh, does, what day does Nova play? Nova plays Friday night. Oh, my God. We have that long of a break? All right. Then we'll probably have to get Kevin on as well to uh, fight for the dignity of, of uh, West Virginia. The, by is, the way, that long know, of a break? I, I Nova had a little bit of a short week with the Big East and playing on Thursday. Love the fact they get an extra day here. Certainly an extra day and a half than West Virginia, which played last night. And so you get a chance to scout them and a week to work on defense. Look out. Look out for the Cats. Look out. All right. This has been the Crossing Broadcast. We'll be back with iTunes reviews again on Wednesday as well. So if you have any iTunes reviews that you've been waiting to leave, make sure to leave a five-star review. And uh, this is a a very abbreviated recap. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday.